The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Support for this show comes from the Four Winds Society, offering the world's most thorough training in the philosophy and practice of shamanic energy medicine. Combining ancient wisdom teachings with cutting-edge neuroscience. Learn how you can begin your journey at thefourwinds.com. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is Essential Conversations. My guest today is Chandresh Barwaj. Chandresh is a seventh-generation spiritual teacher who says he's here to, and I'm quoting, to guide you on your journey towards stepping into your divine existence here on Earth with every breath. His new book, Break the Norms, Questioning Everything You Think You Know About God and Truth, Life and Death, Love and Sex, is reviewed in the January-February issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Chandresh, welcome to Essential Conversations. Thank you, Rabbi Rami. It's my pleasure to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to talk to you. The book is fascinating. I have a copy in front of me. I want to read you something from it a little bit later. But I want to start with the idea that you're a seventh-generation spiritual teacher. It's like the family business, or how does that work? My father is my teacher, but uh, the interesting thing is uh, he never forced me to do what I'm doing right now. I'm also a finance graduate from Manhattan. I uh, studied in a business school. I got double major in accounting and finance. So what I'm doing right now, I didn't plan this. I always had fascination to explore spirituality, to explore the, the divine existence. And if that really existed, you know, as a child, if somebody would tell me, if you meditate all night, you will experience God next day. So I would awake all night and meditate. I've done that as a, as my you know childhood fascination. So I had a obsession to really find if that God really exists, to find that divine light if that really exists, because I was always surrounded by spiritual masters. So I would see them, including my dad, you know, talking about God, spirituality, divine light, blessings, and all that, you know, fancy spiritual terms. And I really wanted to experience it for myself. So I started learning in a very fun way with my father. He, you know, took me to monasteries. Uh, I grew up in India. So I went to Catholic school in India. So I had experience of uh, Krishna in my home, experience of Jesus Christ in the school. India is a diverse land. So uh, I also grew up in a town where Dalai Lama lives. So we would often go to his place in Dharamsala, India, and I would experience, you know, Buddhist teachings there. I was exposed to various teachings and but Again, uh, practicing spirituality as a profession wasn't my plan. I was planning, you know, to come to U.S., do my studies, get a good job, and uh, just continue with with my life and uh, experience spirituality as a side note and maybe to help people. But it was after I came to U.S., I started experiencing that I'm not doing justice to my gifts. I'm not doing justice to what I have, and that can be helpful to many people. I either didn't have enough courage or I didn't have enough gratitude for the gifts that I've learned from my teachers. 
and uh, that's when my journey to break my norms you know started and that's why the first book is called break the norms uh, so your so, da- your dad it was your your spiritual teacher he and, is my spiritual teacher yes and his father your grandfather was his yes so and my it goes grand- back seven generations that way exactly so my uh, uh, I call him grandpa, but he was my grandfather's real brother, uh, he, and he never got married. So, but we all call him grandpa. So it's seven uh, generations. My great grandfather was teacher of my grandpa, and you know it just goes back to seven generations. And that's how much we could you know really track, and it was up to seven generations. Even when I you know traveled to India, uh, people address me as grandson of you know His Holiness Ratan Pandori. That's that was his name. And he's he's a very renowned name among you know the spiritual scholars there. My dad is a renowned name in Indian community. So uh, I feel honored, honestly, to be in this family. At a very young age, I had you know strong exposure to uh, spirituality, and uh, that just fascinated me. Uh, uh, and I had many questions. And the best thing is that my father encouraged me to live my questions. The impression I got from what you were saying earlier is that you wanted to know for yourself. Absolutely. Whether there was a divine being or or source or God or whatever, what did you find? I found a couple of things. The number one thing that I found and that really helped me was that uh, I have the possibility of becoming Buddha. You know, I can be born as an ordinary human being, and I can die as a Buddha. I have the possibility to raise my consciousness. I have the possibility to raise my awareness, and that possibility lives in all of us. That was a very powerful for me because, uh, you know, when we are born, we are given a script of, you know, becoming successful, do this, do that, uh, get good grades, you know, get a secure job, uh, get married, have have children and, you know, just lead a good life. And, and you don't really look into your potential. You don't really think about it, or, you know, in day to day lifestyle, unless you're really ambitious, unless you really, really have that courage and willingness. A, a common man would just live his life you know based on what's coming to him every day so what i really discovered that i have that courage that strength to live my potential to discover my purpose and it can happen to anyone you know who's on this path of meditation who's on this path of questioning everything they think they know about god and truth life and death so let me actually read something from the book. You say that any thought or behavior that's been learned from outside sources, such as parents, religion, culture, and society at large, those are the norms we have to break. Given what you were taught, in what way did you break the norms that, that your parents or your dad, anyway, you know, passed on to you? Uh, in India, there's a strong uh, you know, culture of uh, religion, astrology, uh, and they want their, you know, they, their kids to become successful. They want their kids to become doctors, engineers. That was the kind of norm that I grew up with. And uh, although in my heart, in my soul, I had obsession and passion for spirituality to explore divinity, but the people around me, I wouldn't count my father or mother in, in, in that category, but the people around me, my relatives, even my friends, the school, the teachers, almost everyone uh they they had a very clear idea of what i should do they had a very clear idea of, of uh how chandrayesh should be successful and part of that was go to us get a good job live the american dream and i still don't know you know what american dream really means <laughs> but that was the script given to me and i i wanted to learn more from my father i wanted to learn more 
about spirituality and practice it, and yet I was not having enough courage. Uh, so for me, that learned behavior of you know being in in that secure comfort zone that was my biggest norm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and and that was the biggest norm. And uh, my father practices a very traditional form of spirituality. He is known as a religious leader in his community. And uh, if you are a religious leader in Indian community, uh, you talk about certain things, you teach about certain things, while I had my own vision of uh, spreading spirituality. After I quit college, I, I mean, after I graduated from college, I assisted him for a year or two, and then I spoke to him how I want to really talk about my own vision of uh, spirituality. And uh, to make it happen, I would need, need to leave his organization and start, uh, you know, w- one of my own. And uh, in in an instant moment, he told me to go ahead with that and pursue what I really want to do. Uh, and, you know, many people told me, are you uh, going against his teachings? Are you, uh, you know, not following that nice traditional spiritual path of your family? But the truth was that I... Growing up in this family, I learned how to break the norms. Uh, my father broke many norms. Uh, he still breaks norms in his own way. My grandpa, you know, my grandpa's brother, who's our, our family guru, he never got married. And he lived a life as a scholar, as a monk. And that was also breaking the norm in his own times, right? Uh, they were required to get married. They, you know, he was uh, pressured to be married and to all of do all the things. But he followed his heart and he did what he wanted to do. And I told myself, I, I think I come from this family and uh, this is me breaking my own norm and I'll just see what happens. I, I took a leap of faith, honestly. I didn't know what, what will happen. I had no idea uh, of uh, my success or failure, but I just uh, had that faith uh, and I just followed my heart. It's also nice that you had your family support. I mean, that your dad didn't say, no, 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 you have to stay within this fold. Uh, no. he, he'd let you follow your heart the way, because he as did. you said so, and, and, you're, and now you're trying to help others do the same thing I'm uh-huh. interested in this notion that everyone can become a Buddha that mm-hmm. uh, I mean the way you put it in the book is each of us has a shining resilient infinitely intelligent soul and mm-hmm. I think that part of the work you're doing is trying to help people awaken to or awaken as that mm-hmm. infinitely intelligent soul and mm-hmm. I'm just curious how you get people to realize that is there a, do you have a specific meditation technique or what what do you do to help people wake up to their true buddha nature that's a good question rabbi uh, uh, when i say everybody has the possibility to become a buddha uh, i don't really uh, specifically mean that they should become a spiritually enlightened soul i mean uh, what i really mean is uh, they can also become a great painter a great musician a great writer uh, my work is to really help them realize their fullest potential uh, help them realize their fullest uh, capability and uh, for me the safest and the most amazing route is through meditation discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between join spiritual teacher Brittany mondito for a moment of silence a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org thrive. Uh, and there's no one meditation that works for everybody. You know, we all are unique souls. We have unique aura, unique ambition. Uh, so different meditations work for different people. 
although I do have uh, like a signature meditation and I share that uh, in my group talks. Uh, I teach weekly meditations in LA, so I share those uh, universal meditations there. But when it comes to really working with someone, I would uh, work with them and really customize a meditation. And that evolves as they evolve. Uh, so if I'm working with someone today, I may not tell them to do the same meditation a year from today. I may modify it a little bit based on how far they have gone, how advanced they have become in their journey. When you help someone shape their meditation practice, are you reading something in them? Are you creating something that's uniquely for them? What's the uh, interaction between you and your student to help them uh, follow a specific path that's uniquely their own? So the interaction uh, involves a couple of things. I, uh, before we start, uh, I always ask them what's their intention you know, in working with me. What do they want to really experience? What do they want to achieve with me? So I keep their goals in my mind, what they want to achieve. And sometimes what they want is not what they need. You know, they may want something, but they need something else to really grow in life. So I go through their ambitions, their desires, and uh, then I give them my own glimpse that this is what I feel about you. And that's that's mostly intuitive reading that uh, I do with them. It could be through their meditation experience. It could be through the energy. I don't call myself energy reader, but... Uh, uh, that's pretty much what happens. I follow my intuition. I follow my instinct uh, about you know uh, my student, and I, I ask them a couple of questions to verify my instinct. For example, if they come to me that they want to, they don't know what what they want to do. I ask them a couple of questions. I make them sit in meditation, and then I randomly ask them, "Do you think you can write well? Do you want to write?" And they would tell me, "Yes, I've been wanting to write for the last five years. I just don't know how to begin." So I I keep getting the clues. I depend on that in which, uh, at that moment, Rabbi. I I had no clue. I, I usually have no clue what to talk to the student. But as they start to meditate with me, as they start to unfold their layers, I just depend on this invisible source, which guides me to guide them. And so far, it's been working out nicely. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. It, yeah. it sounds like life coaching in, in a way. Kind Maybe of, with, a, yeah. with an additional spiritual component that comes from your own background. So is that sort of what you're working with? I would say that, yeah, spiritual coach or life coach. I, the, the title that my branding uh, you know, team gave me was spiritual advisor because they feel that's what I do. So I, I, maybe we can go with that, <laughs> spiritual advisor. Uh, but my work involves really helping them in their life, uh, you know, really giving them a guidance, giving them instruments, tools to really uh, realize their potential. So I want to switch gears in the few minutes we have left, because yeah. you and I have a shared interest in Krishnamurti. Yeah. And I, I'd love, I don't know how many of our listeners are familiar with him, but if you can quickly, in a brief, you know, brief amount of time, just what, what's the attraction for you? What, how, do you how did you learn about him and what's your connection to him? Uh, I, I grew up uh, listening to his uh, recordings, uh, reading his books. And uh, he has my idols in my spiritual training has been only uh, uh, really three people. Uh, I would say one is besides my father, it would be uh, Jay Krishnamurti, Osho and Deepak Chopra. And uh, Jay Krishnamurti was one of my first uh, biggest influence. And I always felt he was very daring, rebellious, a very non-breaking person. And I go to Ohio uh, to experience his energy there often. And one of the things he said is, uh, truth is a pathless land. Uh, and I completely meditate on it, that truth is indeed a pathless land. And all his teachings are very practical. He does not preach. He shares. And that's what makes him such a beautiful 
amazing soul. Well, I, I don't I don't meditate on him, but I, I have similar things. I take a spiritual vacation with Krishnamurti and just read some of his uh, you know dialogues and his talks. Right, and they they're they're just so cleansing for me. And it sounds like the same they are. is is for you. And I would recommend anybody who's in that area who's ever close to Ojai, California, to go and uh, visit where he lived. There is an energy there that is absolutely freeing. It's a very, very powerful uh, individual. Then then you have these other two influences, Osho and Deepak. So Osho is somewhat controversial in this country. I mean, he was Rajneesh, and then uh, he had to run for his, I guess, he had to run back to India. I'm not exactly sure what happened with Rajneesh, but he rebranded himself as Osho. Uh, what what's the attraction there? Uh, <laughs> my attraction to Osho again has been his daring, uh, no nonsense, rebellious personality. Uh, there were a lot of uh, topics that he spoke on which was not uh, commonly or popularly talked in India. And as I grew in India, I found his talks very fascinating. Uh, I understand uh, he has been very controversial teacher in US. Uh, he had his share of controversy in India also, but. His uh, talks, his uh, lectures on certain topics really fascinate me. I, he was very uh, fearless teacher in that manner. I understand, you know, when you become so big, a lot of things happen in your commune, and uh, he became victim of that, or maybe he was involved in something. I don't want to judge uh, whatever he did, right? But uh, he remains a very deep influence in my journey. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what his actual. I deliberately didn't look it up. I didn't want to bring that part of it into the conversation. But yeah. I thought, I was thinking, I know, I think he had a lot of Rolls Royces or something like that. Nine, and I thought, well, Royce. you've got, how many? 93. 93. And, yeah. But I figured you're coming out of this finance background, and, yeah. and you're you're smart enough to avoid that trap. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't have so, even one Rolls Royce yet. No Rolls Royce. Well, you can, you can dream. <laughs> and, of course, everyone knows Deepak Chopra. I mean, he's so... Yeah. Uh, ubiquitous. I mean, he's, he's everywhere. Um, have you studied with him? I haven't studied with him. I, I have been to Chopra Center, attended his lectures. I have been attending his lectures for a long time. Uh, I'm blessed to be, you know, part of, uh, be friends with him. I'm friends with his daughter, uh, Malika. She's wonderful. The family is wonderful. And they have blessed me, uh, you know, for the book. They always support my mission. They always support my intentions. So I'm very thankful to Deepak. Uh, he's like a friend, a mentor, a guide. Uh, to me. So that's nice. I mean, you have your actual grandfather, your your uncle, who's also your grandfather, your dad, and then right. a father figure in a sense with Deepak Chopra. So you're very blessed with these Absolutely. spiritual, yeah. the spiritual support system that allows you to do what you do. In, in, and I, I realize I'm putting you on the spot because we have so little time left. But if there's one thing that you could impart to the listening audience that would, I don't know, sort of inspire people to to break the norms or you know, challenge their, their status quo, what, what could you tell them to do? Something besides just this idea that I just said, but something they might do to help shatter the barriers that they may be facing. I would say uh, be grateful for your strengths. Be grateful for, what, for the skills you have. I wouldn't have Deepak as my mentor and fatherly figure. I wouldn't have my father as my guru if I wouldn't be grateful enough for the gifts I had for spirituality. I would be still working in Wall Street in fair. Uh, so I'm, the moment I became uh, grateful, I had all these wonderful cheers supporting me, including you at this moment. So uh, you got to be grateful for what you have, and then universe That's, starts to support you. Well, first of all, thanks for that. That's tough, isn't it? 
to be grateful for the uh, gifts you have means you have to accept, you have to know what they are, you have to accept what they are. And I think people are really maybe even frightened to do that. So let's just, if you give us one comment on that, we're going to have to wrap it up. We are almost out of time. It's very tough, Rabbi. Uh, it's been very challenging challenging for me. I had sleepless nights the moment I understood my gifts and I wanted to nurture them. I still have sleepless nights. Uh, but you got to have a passion that's crazy enough uh, to you know continue to fuel your strength, to fuel your passion. Uh, I was crazy enough to think that I can change the world with my thinking, with my work. <laughs> And I'm happy that craziness is paying off little by little. You got to be really mad and crazy to pursue your passion. It may not bring you money, success, fame overnight, and that's not the intention or the end goal. Uh, you you just got to first you know make a willingness that am I going to be honest enough with my strength? Am I going to be honest enough with the gifts I have? And then just make you know take that big jump. That's a good challenge to end with. Chandresh, so thank you thank very you. much. My guest today was Chandresh Bardwaj. He's the author of Break the Norms, questioning everything you think you know about God and truth, life and death, love and sex. You can learn more about his work at chandreshheals.com. Chandresh, thank you so much for being with us on Essential Conversations. Thank you, Rabbi. It was an honor. For me, too. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. Visit spiritualityhealth.com and subscribe to the magazine in either print or digital formats and download the iTunes app for this podcast. Essential Conversations is produced by Corinne Johnston and our program coordinator is Alma Tasti. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Mediumship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.